The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Some great music this morning. I appreciate the work that the praise team puts in, and they, they work and practice weekly and spend lots of hours up here. If you would turn to Joshua <clears throat> chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> you'll need to turn there because we're not going to read all that I'm going to talk about. We've been uh, talking about the church and <clears throat> encouragement and uh, how many got a kiss this morning? Yeah, that's, that's getting better. <clears throat> I'm remembering, John, Denise raised her hand. Thank you for the reminder. You'd have to be here a few weeks ago to understand that. <clears throat> but uh, we're going to talk this week about uh, God wants us to live without fear. We're going to talk next week about God wants us to rejoice. But uh, Joshua chapter 2 and, and verses 1 through 24, Rahab teaches the Israelites a truth uh, that they should have learned 40 years earlier. <clears throat> And when you fear instead of trusting the promises of God, you'll find yourself missing out on full freedom. That was kind of what, <coughs> excuse me, that's kind of what Rahab had taught. Uh, the, uh, the full freedom that God can, can, can give us. And Rahab, uh, she has been released from her past mistakes. Now, it sounds like we're just kind of jumping in the middle of a story. And the reason being is we really are. Uh, but Joshua, he watches two spies that are heading off into uh, the land towards Jericho. And as he sent those two spies off, he, he, if you know the story, he must have had a, a sense of deja vu because 40 years earlier, there had been uh, the same thing done. And, and that 40 years earlier, this time it had been Moses sending out 12 spies. Joshua was one of them at that time. And if you remember that story, the, the land was beautiful, it was bountiful, it was blessed by God. But uh, all the things that God had described in this promised land was just as he said. And, and there was a problem. And when they came back, these 10 spies also added to that report that there is just, uh, there's berries, there's fruits, there's foods, there's abundance of all these things. But with that, there are giants in the land. And, and those giants in the land, we can't go. That's what 10 of the spies said. We can't go to that land and claim it for our own because it's occupied with giants and they'll squash us. And to them, we look like grasshoppers. And to us, we look like grasshoppers, so we can't go there. So that was 40 years ago. So now Joshua's here, and it's time. It's time for the Israelites to move into the promised land, and they're getting ready to go. And God had given uh, specific instructions to Joshua that that was the plan. Now, Joshua chapter 1, and, and we'll just kind of read 1 through 5, and uh, this is what it says. The Lord said to Joshua... And all of these people are ready to cross the Jordan River. And listen to what the Lord said. Go into the land that I'm about to give you, the Israelites. So go into this land. I'm giving this land to you, the Israelites. And listen to this. I'll give you every place where your foot steps. In, any, in, in other words, everywhere you put your foot down, it's going to be yours. I'm going to give it to you. 
and no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. That's what the Lord had told Joshua. He said, okay, Joshua, it's time to move. It's time to carry the people into the promised land. Everywhere you walk is yours. And by the way, as you walk into this land, this wasn't a deserted land. It wasn't a vacant land. This land was occupied. But he said, by the way, as you go... nobody's going to stand against you. You're going to have the power and you're going to be able to overcome everything that's lying ahead you in this this new land. So so what more does Joshua need? He has this word from God. He has this promise for God. I'm going to give you the land. No one's going to stand against you. Yet in preparation, again, in advance, Joshua says, you know what? I'm still going to send some folks over there to check this out. Now, I want you just to think about that, just, just to, to know that God came, He spoke to Joshua, He said, here's my promise, it's time to go. And Joshua says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out some spies just to make sure. I, I read a story about a man that was traveling years ago from England to America by boat, and he bought his ticket. He only had a little bit of money left over as he bought this ticket, so he went and he bought some biscuits for the trip, and, and that's what he was going to eat on. The trip, three weeks into it, he had only been eating biscuits and drinking water, and he became ill and uh, really sick, and one day, uh, uh, one of the last couple of days of the, of the trip, the stewards came and found him in his room and asked him what was wrong. The man explained what had happened and said, you know, I uh, I just had enough money to get on the ship. I'm trying to get to America, and, and I've, been in, I've just been eating bread and water for the last three weeks. And, and they said, didn't you realize that your ticket included all meals, like a cruise? It, everything was inclusive, and, and we, all that's been taken care of. And, and he lived those weeks on this journey with all the benefits of that cruise simply wrapped up in his room eating bread and water because he didn't realize that, that what that ticket got him was the first class availability that everyone else had. And, and Christians, we need to realize that's what a relationship with God does. When we have a relationship with God, it's a, it's a journey. And in that, journey, in that journey, we, journey, we have all the benefits, all the extras, that, that God wants us to have as we move towards eternity. So this morning, as we begin to think about living without fear, we need to realize that God has given us not only eternal life. I think sometimes when we think about salvation, we look at death, and we should, and we realize, well, when I die, I'm going to, have, I'm going to live eternally. But, but we need to realize between, between our new birth and our death or our moving into our, our heavenly home that, that there's a whole heap of promises. There's a whole bunch of benefits. There's a whole lot of extras that come on the way. And Jesus made this statement in Matthew 6.33. He says, Seek you first His kingdom and a right relationship with God. And the Word says, And righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. You know what he's talking about? He had the disciples there, and he said, you don't need to worry about where you eat, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear. He's teaching about these lessons. He says, all of these material things that we run after that we worry about, he says, you don't need to worry about that, but seek first the kingdom of God in righteousness, right relationship. Seek that first, 
And I'm going to take care of all of these other things. Well, folks, that's a promise for us. That's something that we can look at and we can take and, and understand that, that Jesus doesn't only look after our spiritual life, which He does. He looks after our material needs. He says, I'm going to take care of those things. And, and listen to what He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. He says, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And there you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when we're walking with God and we're part of the family of God, it's not to be, meant to be overwhelming. It's not to be something that weighs us down because Jesus says, I have support for you. That's what we've been talking about over the last month. As, as we are part of the family of God, we have support for one another. We, we lift one another up. We, we help one another. And Jesus says, I promise support, and, and I'm even going to give you rest along the way. And then when we fail and when we mess up, mess up, Jesus says, if we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This is 1 John 1, 8 and 9. But when we confess our sins, He's faithful, He's just, He's going to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that great news? God's saying, hey, you know what? I have a support system for you. I have someone that's going to help you be lifted up. You're going to find rest in me. You're going to find support in me. And oh, by the way, when you goof up and we're all going to sin, we're all going to fail, we're all going to make mistakes. He said, I've made a plan for that. If you'll confess to me, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to purify you and I'm going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? That's that broken relationship with God. He said, I'm going to make that. I'm going to cleanse that. And then he gives us another promise. He says, and surely I'm with you even to the very end of the age. Even till Christ comes again, God says, hey, you're part of my family. I'm going to be with you to the very last day when I bring you home. So with all of those things, I want us to start out realizing that God has given us all of those things as we become His child, as we become His follower. We have all of those things. So wherever we go, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, Jesus is with us. He's with us along the way, and, and that's what He gives us as our new birth and part of salvation. And, and this is what God is giving Joshua. He said, you know what? I'm giving you my presence. I'm giving you my promise. I'm giving you victory in this land that I've promised for you. So Joshua has those things. He, he possesses those things. So why didn't he move forward? And I want us to ask ourselves that question. If we have these things and we truly believe these things, what causes us sometimes to, to find it so hard to trust God? What, why do we sometimes second-guess God? Or why do we put in a contingency plan just in case this fails? Or, or why do we think God's going to let us down after He told us He's not going to let us down? And, and that's what I want us to look at this morning we should know better than to think that way. We should, we should be grown enough to, to, to understand that God says, I'm with you, I've provided all of these things for you, and, and I want you to trust me. And, and this morning when I was, I was trying to put some music together, thinking about what we was going to say, there were so many songs I wanted us to sing about faith and, and trusting and obeying and all of those things that God says, hey, I've got this for you. I've got this covered. And, and when, we, when we don't live as God wants us to live, listen, folks, it's not about the church. It's not about, well, we ought to be doing this and I feel guilty. When we fail to live, we're missing out 
on what God wants for us. Isn't that a huge thing? To realize that God has something for us. The children of Israel, God had a promised land for them, flowing with milk and honey. And He said, I want to give you these things. But because they failed to trust God, they were robbing themselves of what God wanted for them. So we need to realize when we go off on our own tangents or we begin to do these things, we're, we're, we're truly taken away from what God wants for us. And, and as we look at this, there's going to be some interesting things that we find. Uh, but I want you to go, if you're following in your Bibles, go over to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to bring all this together in just a moment. It's kind of like we're all over the map right now, but it's going to come together, hopefully. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's often referred to as the roll call of faith. So Hebrews chapter 11, we find a list of those who are are identified as living a life of faith. Now, boy, I'm running you all over the Bible, but, but when you get to Hebrews chapter 11... I want you to put your thumb in there. I got so excited and shot my gun, and I ain't even read Joshua yet, have I? So let's go back to Joshua chapter 2, but stay in Hebrews 11, because we're coming right back over there. I want you to listen to the first part of Joshua chapter 2, and during this time this morning, you can just read that whole book, that whole chapter, chapter 2 of Joshua. That's what we're going to talk about. I want to read just the first part of it. Then Joshua, the son of night, uh, the son of none secretly sent out two spies from Shittim. So he kind of done this behind the scenes, so to speak. He said, go, look over the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the land in the house of a prostitute. Try to explain that to your wife. Well, look, <laughs> you know, I, we had to go over there, and this seemed like a pretty good place to hang out. So, so they went into the land... Especially into Jericho, they went to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Now the king of Jericho was told, look, there's some Israelites, and they have come here by night to spy out this land. So the king of Jericho sent a message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out this whole land. But the woman uh, had taken the two spies, or two, had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, "Yes, the men came to me, but I don't know where they came from. I don't know where they went. And at dusk, before the city gate closed, the men left, and I don't know which way they went. But listen, get after them quickly, and you may catch up with them." That that was her report. Now you can go on and read the rest of that story if you'd like to, but but I wanted you to, to, to get the, the base of what we're talking about. We're talking about two spies that were sent to the land. They go to a prostitute's house. They they hide out there and and as you read that story, you're gonna realize that she put them on the roof of the house and, and she took some 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 straw and different things and she hid them there under the roof of the house. So so we see this happening. And, and we move on through this story here, and, and that's where we get to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, I want you to notice something about Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at just a piece of this, actually 29 through 31 of Hebrews 11. And what this little piece is, it's a history of the time that Israel's left Egypt and went into the promised land. So there's 42 years of history right there. And we're going to look at just those 42 years... 
Remember, we're looking at the, the roll call of faith. We're looking at those who, who demonstrated the kind of faith that God was pleased with. Here's what it says. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. That's 42 years earlier than what we're reading. That's when they're, they're leaving Egypt and they're, uh, they're in the exodus from Egypt. And you remember that story. And the, by faith... The people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around for seven days. And by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, 42 years of history. So many people could have been mentioned in that 42 years. If you go and read all of that, think about all the things that happened in those 42 years. But look who the focus is on. Not even on Joshua. He's not even mentioned there. Joshua's not mentioned, but the focus is on Rahab. So there's something about Rahab that stood out. It made her stand out. And, and as we think about this... Some of the people that are mentioned there is like Noah and, and uh, Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David. When we read through chapter 11, we see those great men of the Bible and we recognize those names. But, but there's Rahab and, and something about her stands out. She's mentioned among all of those people all because she welcomed in some spies. So... We notice that, that what happened, she literally put her life on the line. We need to understand just a few things. The fact is that the spies, that they came to her house. That was kind of a, a strategic uh, plan. If you think about it, it makes sense. These guys were from out of town. She's a prostitute. So, hey, what's the, what, what are the, they thinking? Well, the, the people are going to see us go here. They're not going to think nothing about it. There's men come and go a lot of times in this place. So, so it was kind of a, a strategic decision to go there. These spies were coming to avoid detection. <clears throat> so there they are. They go and, and they go to this house of this prostitute. Uh, un, uh, 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 unfortunately, it didn't work, did it? Because uh, Rahab understood the king said, hey, there's, there's some spies there. We know that they come to your house and we think this is what they're here for. And, and Rahab has a decision to make at this point. Will she protect the spies or will she betray the spies? Now, these guys are sent from Joshua. They're there at Rahab's house. They're hiding on the roof. <clears throat> and the king comes and, and says, okay, we know these men came here. Just send them back out. Just tell them, hey, you need to come outside. And, and she makes this decision, and she decides to protect the spies. So at that very point, she's put her life on the line. She, she put her life on the line because if they came and found them, she's a traitor, and she's going to be executed as a traitor. Remember, she's a prostitute, so more than likely, there's some, there's some uh, times that the king's men have been there and used her services. There's probably maybe even the king had been there before, but in that, they had, they had come to trust her. They had, they had built a trust up in that relationship, so she sent them off on a wild goose chase. You know, she said, hey, I, I don't know, they left about dark, and I'm not sure which direction, but you better go. <laughs> If you're going to catch them, you better go because they're already on the road. And, and so there they are. And have you seen the big picture here, what we're talking about? Rahab, she put her life on the line for those strangers on the roof. And, and in that, that she noticed that, that 
Things were happening, and, and that's what got her in the, in the roll call of faith. And, and uh, as we look at this, the Lord had given the land to you. This is Joshua 2, chapter 9. I mean, this is jo- Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. I know the Lord had given this land to you, and that a great fear of the land of, of you has fallen upon us, so that all who live in this country are melting with fear because of you. Because she hid the spies, that's not why she's in the roll call of faith. Not because she hid out a couple of men on a roof. Not necessarily because she put her life on the line. Here's why she's in the roll call of faith. I know the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear has fallen on all of us, so that those who live in this country are melting down in fear because of you. What is that saying? Rahab had some great faith, didn't she? She believed what God was going to do. Think about this. Rahab's motive was faith in God. She's a prostitute. She's someone that's living a a sword life, but but her faith was in God, and, and her faith was even greater than Joshua's. Her faith was even greater than the Israelites. Have you ever thought about that? As you've just read through this passage, maybe since you were a child and you've seen it and you've read it and, and you just read that and you don't think anything about it. How, how can I say that her faith was greater than theirs? Because what were they doing? Forty years ago, they sent spies and said, we can't go to the land. What did, that, what, what did Moses tell them 40 years before that? God has given us this land. It's ours to possess. It's ours to take. They come back and said, we can't do it. For 40 years, God punished them by them wandering around in the desert. For 40 years, that generation died. This new generation, that's why God says, all right, Joshua, it's time to go. We've got a new generation. They've grown up. They're ready to move into the promised land. Then Joshua says, you know what? I better check this out again just to make sure. You don't see that in Rahab, do you? She says, hey, God said it and I believe it, and that settles it. I mean, she was there. She, she understood those things. And, and because of that, listen to what she says in Joshua 2, 10 and 11. Now we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. Now all of Israel was a part of this. She says, I've heard about it, that God dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. I heard what you did in Shehan and Og when the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. We've heard of it, and we heard about it, and our hearts are melted in fear, and everyone's courage has failed because of you. Listen to this. This is her words. For the Lord your God is a God in heaven, and He's above the earth here below. You see her faith? I mean, she heard and she believed and she understood who God was and and she understood that God was going to give them over to Joshua. And when the the Lord dried up the Red Sea, that was 42 years ago. She'd heard about it. When, When that happened in Shehan and Og, that was 41 years ago and she had heard it. And And all this happened before Israel was punished for the 40 years. I want you to think about this. 41 and 42 years ago, these things had happened. So these things have happened. For 40 years, they've been wandering in the desert. Now I want you to put yourself in Jericho. For 40 years, they've been living in fear. 
You see it? You see it here? For 40 years, we've been expecting this because 42 years ago, we, we heard what God did at the Red Sea. 41 years ago, we heard about the king of the Amorites. So we've lived all this time expecting God to deliver His promise. Let's go back to the Israelites. What have they done? Well, for 40 years, they've wandered around because they didn't believe God's promise. So when we look at this and we understand the pagans knew they had a fear of God and their courage was gone. It said, we're just, we're just melted in fear knowing that this day was going to come. Fear stopped the people of Israel from, from experiencing what God had for them. Do you hear that? Their fear, the Israelites... It stopped them from experiencing the blessing that God had for them. He laid it out for them. Fear got in the way of faith. Our fear, that got in the way of faith. And you know that same fear stops us from experiencing freedom of what God wants us to enjoy every day. I read a story about an African impala. They can jump eight and a half feet high. Well, kind of measuring this out, that's, that's just a little bit over my head right here. So an impala from the floor could jump, could just clear me right here. They can jump 30 feet long. And that's, that's, a, little, that's a little less than the width of this building. So they can jump eight and a half feet high, 33 feet long, yet they keep them in zoos behind a three-foot wall. You know why? Because the impala won't jump if they can't see where their feet are going to land. So they just, stay, they just stay caged up. They just stay behind that wall in fear of what they can't see. And folks, as Christians, sometimes we get trapped in the same thing. God has given us the ability to go. He's given us the resources. He's given us the minds and the wisdom that we can move out and that we can be victorious and that we can have victory in the land and that we can have blessings. But sometimes because we can't see where that next step's going to take us, we just stay caged up. We just stay behind the scenes. We stay behind the wall. And because of that, we miss out on the blessings that God has for us. It could be that fear... Uh, overcomes us, and we miss what God is doing. You know what causes us to do that sometimes? I think sometimes when we look back, we start looking back and, and we wish our lives were different. Or we wish, uh, we wish our situation that we're in was different. Or, or we're wondering what might have been, or what could have been, or, or what if I'd have made a different choice here, or what if I'd have made a different choice there, and, and I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to make those same decisions, so though that fear cripples us. It could be that, that fear comes from some, something in our character, that, that we want to be in control, and that we don't want to take any risk, and, and we want to be self-reliant, and we want to be self-sufficient, and we want to trust ourselves, and, and we don't want to get hurt, and we don't want anybody to hurt us, and, and we get frustrated and angry when things things are not going that way. So, so that fear of, 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 of something affecting us or hurting us, that, that keeps us from moving on. It could be a fear that, that we've been hurt before. Maybe, maybe you have a spouse and somehow something happened and you've been hurt and, and because of that you, you've been crippled up with that fear. Or, or maybe you had a, a great business partner and you trusted him and, and something happened and it went wrong and because of that you, you've been afraid to move out again. 
I can't list all the things, but when we live in fear, it's, it's keeping us from reaching the full potential God has for us. And, and when we look at this, I think we can understand that, that God wants us to live not in fear, but He wants us to live in victory. That can cripple some people, but not Rahab. When, when everybody else saw obstacles, she saw an opportunity. The people of Jericho, what were they doing? They were melting in fear. But Rahab looked and she said, hey, this is a great opportunity for me. And when she did that, she wasn't hesitant when everybody else was holding back. She was bold. When everybody else was worried, she said, you know what? I'm going to trust God. Here's another little part. She was a Canaanite. The Canaanite were sworn enemies of Israel. So she's taking a chance on both sides. She's got the king that would kill her for, uh, for simply being betraying him. She's got the Israelites who already hate the Canaanites. So she takes this big risk because she says, you know what, I'm taking a big risk, but I'm looking at a big payoff down the road. That's what we're going to talk about as we close up this morning. When this all took place and the, the Israelites came to Jericho, and you remember that, you remember that story in Jericho? The Lord told Jericho, uh, Joshua to go to Jericho, march seven times around. He followed faithfully the Lord's command, and the walls came tumbling down. Did y'all, did y'all sing that song? Jim, we sang it. Is Jim here this morning? And Doug, we sang it, and neither one of them's here this morning. But, but the walls of Jericho fell... But in Joshua 6.25, Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, that's what the Bible says, with all her family. Why does the Bible keep pointing the poor girl out? How many times does it say, Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the prostitute? We got it! I bet she's going, why would you have to put that in there so many times? I think it's so we can understand. Hey, this girl wasn't perfect. She was living a tough life. But Joshua, God spared the prostitute Rahab with all her family, with all who belonged to her, because she had hid the men that Joshua had sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites today. That's what Joshua 6.25 says. So she was spared, and then God said, you know what, I've got a blessing for her. You're going to live in this promised land. Doesn't that sound like our salvation? You know what? We're, we were enemies with God. He forgave us. He saved us. He brought us into His family. And He says, you know what? I have a place for you. You're going to live in the promised land I have for you. Instead of allowing herself to think of her past, instead of being stuck in her failures, instead of being stuck in her culture, she moved on. Even in, the, in all of her mistakes, she took a step of faith. And she came to God, and she feared nothing because of that. About ten years ago, there was a there was a, a, a junior executive at IBM. He was involved in a in a risky venture for the company. He ended up losing ten million dollars in the gamble. This was a new executive. He got a call from Tom Watson, who Tom Watson is the senior founder of IBM. He was a business legend. I mean, everybody in the business world knew him. The junior executive says he was overwhelmed with guilt and fear. He walked in and blurted out, I guess you want my resignation, so here it is. I'm resigning. And listen to what 
Watson said, Tom Watson, he said, you've got to be joking. I've invested $10 million in your education. I can't afford for you to resign. You know, that's how we are sometimes. We have fear. We have failures. We, things are not exactly the way we thought they'd be today. And we say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to resign. I've got to step away and, and we're going to have to regroup. But God says, wait a minute, look at all the things you've learned through this. And I've invested all of this in you. I'm going to close with this. Do you know how valuable you are? I mean, think about it. Do you really know how valuable you are? Not, not your brother, not your sister, but you. Not your parents, but do you know how valuable, how valuable you are so valuable that God sent His only Son for you. That's how valuable you are in God's sight. He, he says, you know what? I love you so much. The Bible says God so loved the world, and in the world is, is everyone, but in everyone there's individuals. Without individuals there's not a world. Without individuals there's not a church. And, and God says, I loved you so much that I gave you my Son. I bought you. And God says of His Son, this is my Son, who I am well pleased. And God the Father said, I and Jesus are one. Christ said, I am one with the Father, and we are one together. That's the investment that God's made on your behalf. And when He's made that investment, He doesn't want you to give up. He doesn't want you to think that you're no good. He doesn't want you to say, well, I have failures in my past. Hey, I'm I'm like Rahab. I've messed up, and I'm not living the life. God says, I'm going to give you freedom from your past. And I have blessings for you in the future. Would you bow your heads as we think about this? How wonderful it is that God illustrates the truth through the life of Rahab. You know, I mentioned a while ago that her and her family lived on. Listen to this. Get this in your mind. How valuable was Rahab to God? How valuable If you're in Matthew chapter 1, listen to what it says. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. In other words, the family tree of the King of kings, of the Lord of lords. How valuable was Rahab to God? It says, Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham and Isaac. Isaac and Jacob. Jacob and Judah, Judah and Hezron, Hezron and Ram, Ram and Abinadad, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. How valuable was the life of Rahab. She's part of Jesus' family tree. How valuable you are today. So much so that God sent His only Son to die in your place that you'd have life. Why is Rahab in the roll call of faith? Why is she in the genealogy of Jesus? Because she left her fears of what could happen became faithful and believed in God that he could make it happen. And she trusted her freedom to him no matter what happened.
this morning, don't live in fear. God says, you know, I'm with you always. I've got a plan for you. I've got a future for you. Don't back down. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop pushing forward because God says, I've got a promised land. I'm going to deliver it to you. I'm going to win the battle. The victory is yours. Now go and possess what I've given you. Father, this morning I pray as we just look at the life of Rahab and we look at the life of of the Israelites to realize that here's a woman who from our accounts today would say, you know what, bless her heart. But Father, you looked at potential and you said, come to me. You told us on the cross, if I be lifted up, I'll draw them into me. You told us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You told us that we don't seek you, you seek, you seek us out and you find us and you draw us into yourself, Lord. I pray today, Lord, if we're living in fear, that we know it's not your desire for us to live in fear. I pray today, Lord, if we're, if we're not living in part of your family, I pray today would be the day of salvation. Lord, however your spirit would lead us today, I pray, Father, that we'd respond to your wooing, to your calling in this place. In Jesus' name.